Welcome back to the Argentina Project podcast brought to you by the Wilson Center. I'm Katie Hopkins, your guest host and producer for today's episode. Worried you'll miss Benjamin Gadan, our regular host? Fear not. Today, we'll be hearing insights from our recent event, the Argentina Project sponsored in New York City with UBS, about the economic drama in advance of Argentina's election. Benjamin moderated. He was joined by Alejo Serwanco, investment strategist at UBS, Luis Ribeiro, head of Latin America Equities and lead portfolio manager of Latin American and Brazilian equity funds at DWS, and John Morton, lead portfolio manager of emerging market strategies at Lord Abbott. Let's get into it. One of the difficulties, I think, both analytically and, and for those um, investing in Argentina is to understand what the alternative is to the current model. And that's something we'll be discussing at some length here, which is to say that the running mate for the leading candidate is someone who's known well, former President Cristina Fernandez de Kirchner, whose economic heterodox program um, created a lot of the structural imbalances that Argentina has not been able to surmount over the last four years. Um, but she is not the candidate. In fact, the candidate is her former chief of staff, Alberto Fernandez, who is known as a much more pragmatic, moderate figure, um, but who has not been very transparent about what his economic program might be and, and members of his cabinet um, and what they might carry forward. And so that has created challenges and has created a lot of the uncertainties that I think have driven the volatility in the recent period. Alejo, without any further introduction, I'm going to turn to you to try to let us know if the relative calm of the last few days signals that you know we can sort of survive from here to the election with at least a minimal amount of political stability, with this current president finishing his term, with the central bank retaining some reserves to um, you know give to the next government, or if in fact the economic and financial crisis sparked by the August 11th primaries is not behind us. You know where are we right now on? Um, sorting out the results of the primaries and, and taking us through the election in late October. Look, to, to your specific question, I think it's very unlikely that we've seen the, the end of the uh, volatility in Argentine financial markets because for that to occur, I think it's required to have a three-way uh, principles agreement between the three main players in this equation. We need Macri, Fernandez and the IMF to sit down and agree on some basic coexistence principles that would guarantee a smooth, uh, peaceful transition into a new four-year terms. We do not have that yet. All the initiatives have been one or two-sided, right? And in this case, we do need three to tango, um, and it's, it's, it's impossible otherwise, right? The problem here is the individual with the ability to implement policy doesn't have the credibility to uh, implement it because most folks out there believe that he won't be there in power in three months' time. So he has made attempts. It isn't as if I think he's been sitting back. Maybe you could talk for a minute about the two major um, policy changes since the primaries that have been designed to calm markets, one of them being the most recent one, a version of capital controls, not in the extreme form that we saw before this government, the other being this reprofiling of the debt, a version of a restructuring um, that was meant to be as, as market-friendly as possible, but certainly um, was not a, you know, a preferred policy before it became apparently necessary. Maybe just take us through some of the details of those and, and the impacts. Of course, it's uh, fascinating to think that all this happened in the last week alone, right? Um, and it has to do with the complete collapse in confidence by the domestic population, by investors in 
the system by and large, right? Um, Wednesday night last week, Argentina was forced to announce a debt reprofiling program. And this is related to the fact that a liquidity crisis that was inexistent before the primary elections became reality after the primary elections. It was triggered by an auction of local law short-term paper that uh, had nobody showing up, basically, right? And so the government was forced to announce a reprofiling, sometimes in some cases forced, in some cases voluntary, of short and long-term paper, local law, external law. That's what happened last Wednesday. And on Sunday, um, um, uh, the announcement of capital controls, limiting the flexibility of individuals and companies to access the foreign exchange market. All this to try to make some damage control of, of, of the situation. Um, I was surprised by some of the measures, to be absolutely honest. There were orthodox paths that could have been pursued, such as allowing the currency to freely float and hiking interest rates that wasn't pursued. Um, let's see whether this helps calm the situation. Okay, just put in perspective, I think what happened in the primaries was, of course, a, a huge surprise to everybody. I mean, we saw the polls before, they were showing a small difference. Uh, a small lead to Alberto, and all of a sudden we saw 15%. So it was a huge surprise. That's why we see this reaction in the market. In my view, at least, it's kind of exaggerated already in terms of prices. It seems that we are pricing in the, the worst-case scenario, but we'll talk about it later. It came as a big surprise to us, but um, talking about the local uh, Argentines and the people in general, uh, I kind of understand the way they voted uh, afterwards. Of course, I was wrong also, so... <laughs> I was wrong before, but looking at it afterwards, you kind of understand it because we've been through very difficult years in the last few years. Uh, Macri has tried to implement the reforms in a very slow way, at slow pace, and we haven't seen the results of that. And, uh, we wish he had a, one more mandate for us to see those results, but apparently there's a low chance of, of that happening. But the, the Argentines in general, they didn't feel any improvement in the economy and they voted the way they voted. But having said that, I think different from the rest of Latin America and the rest of the world, uh, the Argentines, they really never trust their currency, right? So they always have their reserves in dollars. Uh, they never really had a big exposure to pesos. And even the banks are, have been very conservative in their exposure to local currency. Uh, they have, uh, in, in terms of, of funding and, uh, and assets, they've been very conservative. They are well capitalized. Uh, they have some exposure to dollars in their balance sheet. Actually, the government is forcing them to reduce that exposure to, to foreign currency. So I don't see any big problem with the financial system itself. We don't see a big run into the banks, mainly because the, the, the Argentines in general, they didn't have that much exposure to the banking. I mean, they never really trust the banking system. So loans as a percentage of GDP have always been very low. The bankarization is very low also. So all of that is helping now, uh, because I think they were very well prepared for that kind of movement. Uh, we saw sort of, uh, of, uh, of deposits getting out from the system, uh, especially dollar deposits getting out of the system, but peso deposits as well. But I don't see any threat to the, the capital of the banks or, or any big problem for the financial system. I think they will stand this crisis in, in, still in, in a good shape. Well, I think we need to look at Argentine politics in general. I mean, when we first received the invitation to come here and speak today, 
basically Macrib is going to win in the second mm -hmm. round. That's right. And now we're sitting here talking about 30 cents on the dollar for the bonds. Um, so these things shift quite a bit. Yes, Macri is done. Um, I can't really foresee any statistical ability for him to come back here. I mean, I think he was done after losing by 16%. If you did any sort of math, his probability of winning was less than 5%. And I think now that he's imposed capital controls and reprofiled the local debt stock, he's pretty much admitted that this is going, is, is, you know, he's, he's getting ready for his exit. Um, I think he's what's doing what's best for the country at this point. Because if we continued to have these political battles in public and we weren't sure who was going to run it, um, it was just going to make this limited amount of reserves and everything else that's going on there be more problematic. So, and, and I agree, and I think now that, you know, I think there's some consensus as to where things are headed, there is this large gap which provides an opportunity for Alberto Fernandez and his team to provide a bit of insight into how they might govern. There are some indications, I mean, we're aware of some of the advisors, they've given some interviews, including in the Brazilian press, um, not clearly enough to give a clear picture of how they would handle the IMF, how they would manage this crisis and manage, you know, to, to regenerate growth. What do we know, if anything, about Alberto Fernandez's economic program? I think the, the best um, source of information is history. Um, rather than very recent comments in campaign mode, we should look at how he has behaved over the last decade, right? And we know that he was the chief of staff of Christina Kirchner and um, Nestor Kirchner. Uh, they had a fall from grace around uh, 2008. And for the following decade, um, Alberto Fernandez was a critic of the more radical economic policies of Christina Kirchner and a critic of the pretty rough relationship that she had with the media and uh, uh, the private the private sector. That, that we know, and uh, we also know they got together out of necessity in, in 2019, in uh, the first time in uh, world history in which a vice presidential candidate nominates yeah. a, a presidential <laughs> candidate, right? right? Pretty, pretty mm -hmm. remarkable. That's what we know. Um, look, over the last few months, he's been in campaign mode. It happens all over the world that um, statements uh, being issued during a campaign um, do not fully apply once, once in office. I think that the more important question here is uh, what, uh, who's going to have the power conditional on Fernandez and Kirchner winning? Uh, will we have a government in which economic policies are in the hands of Alberto Fernandez and his economic steam, or are they in the hands of uh, Christina Kirchner and her economic steam? I think you know the uh, outcomes are widely, widely different. I, mean, I think on, on many of the economic decisions, clearly they, they remain in the hands of Mauricio Macri, and one can say, fine, this is a campaign, we can await um, clarification and cabinet appointments at least down the road in November, maybe December. One area, though, where, where power already seems to lie in the hands of the opposition is in interacting with the IMF. And that's why I'd like to move the conversation, which is to say that the IMF has a disbursement that it's considering right now. It has not fully um, completed this $56 billion um, largest ever bailout that it's provided. And it seems, at least informally, contingent a bit on what the opposition is committing to carry out in terms of the program, which there is some logic to it. It would be, it appears now, that the opposition would be the one who has to then renegotiate this agreement and start to repay it nearly immediately into the next government. So what... Is Alberto Fernandez telling the IMF, as far as you know? What does the IMF need to hear from Alberto Fernandez to feel comfortable? What are the factors conditioning its decisions at this point, whether from the board perspective, which is obviously not a, a minor factor, from the staff technical perspective about compliance and the future of the program? 
Well, I think the IMF is, is in a very difficult position right now, of course. Yeah. It goes without saying. Um, but on the other hand, I think that helps because stepping back, I think, is not a very good option for the IMF uh, either. So I think they will kind of try to get an agreement with Alberto Fernandez from the IMF side. And look at Alberto Fernandez's side, I think it's also in his interest to look for an agreement. So when you have both sides, we need to have an agreement. I think most likely we will have it. Um, I think there's no point uh, of Macri getting into that discussion right now. Uh, but I think most likely, I think both parties would like to to, to follow uh, the, the programs that we have in place uh, right now. Of course, rescheduling the payments and so on, but uh, sticking to, uh, to the IMF, I think, is the most likely option that they have. When I was in Argentina at the end of June, even then the IMF was meeting with both sides of the political spectrum trying to figure out what direction we'll move in at the very senior level of the fund. Um, so they have been preparing for this potential outcome. Um, and at the end of the day, I think that from speaking with the local representatives at the, for the IMF in, in Argentina as well as in Washington, I think based on their previous experiences with Argentina, they're a little more open to heterodox approaches to a number of these issues since they were created by heterodox policies. Um, so they're not going to try to be so Washington consensus and so orthodox oriented, which I think probably works fairly well working with the Fernandes administration. I share everyone's view that um, if Fernandez is indeed allowed to run the country, which is what I'm, my working assumption at present, um, it is going to be um, having learned from the lessons of the previous administration and moving forward. I'm not sure whether the additional $5 billion that we're seeing won't come with some sort of conditionality, but that will be more determined by politics, I think, than anything else. Given that the, you know, the, we're considering this a foregone conclusion that it is a presidential campaign, that the IMF does not have a great reputation in Argentina, and we've already seen that used as a tool by, by Fernandez. Yeah. Can he continue with the rhetoric that he is using, blaming the IMF program for a lot of Argentina's problems, while reassuring the IMF enough so that this $5 billion is dispersed? I think everybody is, is sensitive to his political messaging issues at the present time. Um, I think he has very few degrees of freedom when push comes to shove. I mean, he has two options, default or play ball. Uh, and I mean, given those two options, I think when it's finally his decision to make, to continue to work with the fund, I think is probably the clearest approach uh, to helping resolve the problems that he has. To come into the situation and come in new to office with a, with a debt default um, does not put him in the best position um, to succeed. So it's our expectation that um, they will do whatever is necessary to hold this together. I think now that we've seen Macri sort of acquiesce to the point that, you know, the election's a sort of a foregone conclusion. I think we might see a little more um, collaboration between now and the end of October. Maybe there, Please. There's one IMF-related factor that I find it a little difficult to handicap at the moment, and that is the um, significant change in leadership at, at the fund, right? The IMF program was the birth child of Christine Lagarde. She's no longer there. There's going to be a new... Um, um, you know, leader, Kristalina uh, uh, Georgieva, and we simply don't know how hawkish or dovish he'll be vis-a-vis -vis Argentina, a program that by any technical standards would never have been yeah. approved as is, right? It was always a political, a political decision, and it will be a political decision how it, it, it gets resolved and, and negotiated moving forward, and that's a big question mark. Maybe we could talk for a minute about the real consequences of what's going on in the last few days and weeks in Argentina, and then understand a bit of what it will look like for the next government there. 
it had appeared before the Paso, before these primaries, that Argentina had maybe hit bottom in its recession, that it may have been returning to some modest growth, that inflation was bad but would not far exceed maybe 50%, and that Argentina, you know, consumer confidence was slowly increasing. I believe every one of those indicators is now moving in a very different direction, and that we're looking at now a contraction in 2020. Um, so maybe I'll start with you, Alejo, and we can go down the line. What, what are the real consequences for the Argentine economy um, of this crisis, and what will it look like in you know, December when the next government takes office? I think it's clear that the impact on, on macro variables will be pretty, pretty significant. Uh, the central bank runs a survey of economists um, on a monthly basis, and we got the results yesterday. Expectations changed 180 degrees, and now we have an average contraction in 2020 expected of around 1, 1.2%. Inflation, um, pretty high levels, 40% year over year for 2020. I think that uh, these expectations will likely be revised further to the downside. Um, and so the cyclical picture is, is pretty dire. Now, I think we need to recognize one, one thing at the same time, and that is Alberto Fernandez will inherit an economy that from a imbalances perspective looks less bad than what Macri inherited, right? So looking, for instance, at uh, the budget balance, Macri inherited a 6% deficit. Alberto Fernandez will likely inherit something closer to 3.5% deficit. Current account deficit, uh, Macri 3%, Fernandez 1%. So it's, uh, you know, when you look under the hood, things are not as, as bad as they, they seem. Uh, even the currency, right? I mean, the currency, when Macri took office, was overvalued right, by far. 20% or more. And now it's not anymore. I mean, one can even claim that it's undervalued right now. So that's another point. Uh, exactly that is better than, than before. I mean, the best thing for the Argentine economy is the second term for Mauricio Macri. Um, I think he's being delivered with a very, very good economy um, to the point, you know, when have we seen the fiscal and the trade accounts be, you know, relatively moving into balance? Um, it came at a great expense in terms of inflation and in terms of interest rates and ultimately political issues. But I think he's inheriting the situation probably as good as it's been in probably eight years. Um, so he has a relatively clean slate. It's 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 his to uh, to uh, to to mess up or you know start to let those important achievements that they've created under Macri start to slide. Um, you know I agree with everybody else. You know we're not going to see any growth out of this economy for another two years, and it's going to be just about how do we maintain the situation and manage the debt stock, um, and sort of how the policies um, are enacted and what they do in the energy sector and the utility sector and a few of the key micro issues as well. Yeah, I mean, so you mentioned in passing managing the debt stock. I think if you asked Alberto Fernandez, he would have a very different assessment than the one we just heard about the inheritance that he's getting. And, and a great deal of his focus would be on this debt issue. Uh, there's some disputes as to what debt to GDP was when he came in because there was the hold up bondholder issue and some off-book debt, but anywhere between 20 or 40 percent is a pretty big range as, as they would debate it, but certainly not 100 percent and not in selective default or in some version of, of reprofiling. What do you, you know, make of the debt situation that the next government will inherit or what we have right now? Are we headed toward an actual restructuring? What will it look like? Um, looking at the various types of debt that's been issued and the, and the contracts for these debts, just a bit of insight into how this will be managed and, and what are some of the scenarios that, that you know, creditors will face. So our working assumption was sort of the worst case scenario is that Macri would come in, there'd be some types of issues around this. 
um, he would have the confidence of the markets, he would have the IMF facilities in place, and they would start to get access to the capital markets again. Uh, once that was in place, he could come to us as bondholders because the problem really is the maturities between 20 and 2023, 2020 and 2023. If you can get over that hump, half of which is owned by the IMF, you can start to think that um, the debt picture looks considerably better. Um, and so we went from having that sort of be the worst case scenario that what Smucker West had to do, and now clearly it's the best scenario uh, in terms of what we're going to get. So I think this is really um, inevitable. Um, however, we look to go about it, and I think we have some practice in terms of how we do these types of reprofilings now. And if you look at the example of Uruguay or the Ukraine, we've gone through these situations and been able to find solutions that were bondholder friendly, uh, for lack of a better term, uh, but that you could find that would be acceptable to all parties involved. And the collective action clauses are there in, in all of the major issuances at this point? Yeah, which makes relative to the 2001 default the situation much cleaner. Um, so, you know, that's, that's sort of our working assumption. It seems as though, you know, we sit on a trading desk every day. It seems as though the markets are sort of coming around to the fact that this is going to be inevitable, and the question becomes, what form does it take? Um, and you can still, at this date, look at uh, reprofilings that don't have a haircut, um, you know, that you can have step-up coupons and uh, adjustments uh, around financial engineering that uh, make it, you know, relatively... Palatable, palatable, and it makes sense. The question is, and we were talking about this earlier, what state is the economy in when we get there? Mm -hmm. And is such a thing possible? And so what happens if there's reserves and what happens in effects, I think, are going to be critical. Excellent. I, I think we're going to end here. Thank you so much for your interest and for being here. UBS, thank you so much for generously hosting this great conversation. And most of all, yeah. thanks to you three for sharing such wonderful insights. This thanks. was excellent. And thankfully, our producer is a wonderful editor. That's me, Katie Hopkins. If you enjoyed the show, subscribe to the Argentina Project podcast on SoundCloud and sign up for our weekly newsletter at wilsoncenter.org slash weekly dash asado. Asado.